Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. Today is Friday, April 6th, 2018. And of course, this fabulous day, I'm coming up with this surprise podcast because I got a special guest. My father, Sixers fan extraordinaire, Dr. Mark Rosenberg, is back on the podcast to discuss this amazing Sixers win streak and some of the brilliance that we've seen this year with the Sixers season. Um, How you doing today, Dr. Mark? Oh, I'm doing great. It's a great description of what's going on, too. Oh, it's very unique time. Um, so let's just jump right into this because um, so the Sixers are currently on a 12-game winning streak. It is the longest streak that the Sixers have had since, uh, if I'm correct, the 1989-1990 season. Uh, and the last couple of games, they've they've really been uh, winning these games without Joel Embiid. And, uh, and even without Dario Sarge, for that matter. And um, it really brings me to my first question about Ben Simmons. And uh, I wanted to hit you up with this because I think we've really seen some, uh, some really exciting play from Ben Simmons as of late. And the first question I had for you, Dad, is, um, you know, we've seen an, almost an entire season of Simmons right now. He seems to be the front runner for the Rookie of the Year candidate. And my question is, you know, what about his game has surprised you this year? I think we, you know, we expected a lot from him, but what really sort of, you know, you know, took you, took you, took you by surprise? What did you, were you not expecting to see that you've seen? Well, there's a, there's a lot that I wasn't expecting. I think everybody knew that he was big and that he was a guard. And this was something that was exciting because you just don't see that. But when you actually see him play, there's a couple things that strike you. First of all, he is not only tall, but he's 230 plus pounds. Uh, even the young Magic Johnson, if you recall, was a skinny kid. He was six mm. foot eight, and he was a guard. But that he was somebody who was running, you know, 205 at best when he came into the league. Right. And when I watch Simmons, uh, the thing that strikes me the most is how quick and fast he is. He gets down the court as fast as any of the guards. You notice he has tremendous amount of steals. He steps in the passing lanes. He goes after loose balls. He's just as quick as the small men. And when he rebounds, it's not a fluke. He is muffling himself in and getting rebounds. So he has a dimension that I did not think he has. Not to speak about the maturity of the game and how well he sees sees the floor. And Interestingly enough, him sitting for a year because of the injury uh, really benefited him and allowed him to study the game, and I think it really enhanced some of his potential. Uh, but I would have to say overall that his uh, his speed and strength is what is very dramatic uh, and surprised me. Yeah, I want to uh, I want to echo that. Because uh, certainly that was something I wasn't ready to see either, and I've I think I've mentioned it to you before about how he almost looks like a gazelle sometimes when, you know, his his acceleration combined with how t- big he is, it almost doesn't look like he's running at all. He just takes a couple of steps and he's already at the hoop. And you know, you just said it. His his size really makes him such a mismatch. For a lot of the people who are defending him, when you go on the, you know, when you go on the 
off, you know, when when you're defending him, your typical point guards can't really defend him. And then when he's defending you, he can shut down these typical point guards. But then, like you said, he can also muscle in and get a rebound. He can um, reach right into the passing lanes and get a steal. Uh, and for me, the the surprising thing was I knew he was going to be a good passer. Um, but to see him be able to get his shot, and, and he doesn't really have a shot, but to be able to get to the hoop and score, considering that he lacks a bit of a clean jump shot right now, has really surprised me. And his passing ability is way ahead than anywhere than I thought it would be right now. I mean, did you think his passing was going to be as strong as it would be that we uh, this season? Well, I thought that passing was a strength. That was a strength in college. That was something that they noted. That's what we saw in, uh, you know, in camp. That he really saw that. They always said he saw the floor well, and he passes well. So that was something that I was expecting. You mentioned a gazelle. Um, Kevin Durant is a gazelle. <laughs> this, this guy is a more like a sleek train mm. uh, because small guards can't deal with him. He'll back them down. And when they put bigger men out on him, uh, he goes by them. He, uh, it's, it's really something. And he's developing of late that short in the paint jumper that mm. he is hitting with pretty good uh, percentage. Mm. And also his, his numbers, you know, his numbers are unequal. Uh, they keep pointing to Oscar Robertson. Well, Oscar Robertson is a once-in-a-lifetime player. Uh, and the only person they compare to him statistically is Oscar Robertson, Will Chamberlain. You know, you're talking about uh, almost, a, you know, uh, a holy trinity here. So uh, it bothers me that there's even question about Rookie of the Year honors. You know, uh, I understand that, you know, there are some rookies scoring points. Uh, but but what he does is, is awe-inspiring. And one of the things we have to notice, though, is since Embiid has been down, he has had to take on a bigger role. If you'll notice, his numbers have been more explosive. And you might say, well, not really. But, yes, he's been playing because they've been winning so significantly. He's been playing less minutes, sitting in the fourth quarter, et cetera. And he's still generating these numbers because he is able to step up. Even when they key on him when Embiid isn't there, he's able to step up and still produce. So that's really exciting. You know, can I ask a, um, a question about that in particular? Uh, so with Embiid off of the floor and Simmons having to take a larger role towards the end of the season, now personally, I, earlier in the season when Embiid had to rest for a few games and Simmons was, you know, kind of the only alpha on the floor in those games— we, st- I, st- I certainly saw the Sixers still struggle at times, you know, still trying to find some of their identity and, you know, still sort of missing Joel Embiid. And I would say all throughout the season, this team rises and it falls with Embiid. But the last month or so, and has certainly been accentuated even more with Embiid being injured the last week or so, I think we've really seen Simmons kind of rise up and be much more of a impact player than he was at the beginning of the season. Would you agree or disagree with that? Do you think that Simmons' impact on the game has has really grown as the season has gone along? Well, I'm agreeing partially uh, because he's a young player and he's evolving. I said to you during our last discussion that the Sixers are different than comparable teams that are experienced and mature. 
those teams are what they are. They aren't changing. They're perfecting their game. The Sixers are evolving every game. That's why their team you're looking at now is not the team you're looking at three months ago, and we spoke about that. Mm. So it doesn't surprise me that he's getting better. But there's also two words that have made a difference since Embiid went down and in the last month of the season, and they are Bellinelli and Ilyasova. Well, it's tremendous what what these guys are doing and how they're shooting and how their uh, experience is impacting the chemistry of these teams. And I'm really thinking on the defensive end almost more than on the offensive end. This has allowed Ben Simmons to continue to do what he's doing. Wow, that's you know this leads me right into uh, my next question. My next question was going to be aside from Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, which players on this team do you really feel have contributed to the success of the team? And it sounds like you already kicked it off by saying Bellinelli and Ilyasova. And something I certainly wouldn't have thought about is how powerful of an impact they've made on the defensive end of the, of the ball. And, you know, I'm not thinking of Bellinelli as a great defender, but he's an experienced veteran who I think can play great defensively. And now Ilyasova, we know is a great defender, and we know is this brilliant charge taker. I mean, he might be best in the league at taking yeah, charges. Um, yes, he just took the lead. Do you th- so are those two guys your front runners for impact players for this team? Is there anybody else that jumps out that you're like, you know what, this guy has really made a, uh, a big difference and we might not be talking about it as much? Well, J.J. Redick uh, trumps, uh, excuse the bad pun, <laughs> but trumps uh, these two. Um, his consistency... Uh, the beauty of coming off these screens and getting off his shot is shooting 90% plus from the foul line makes it number one worth every dollar of this absurd $23 million. But he's your impact player here because this is a, a team that when you play defense against the Sixers, you can't cheat. You can't drop down to stop Embiid because you have these outside shooters. And conversely, uh, Embiid cannot be guarded one-on-one. So it's a decision that has to be made. And we can also go on because one of the reasons I've been watching this last this uh, winning streak and I'm saying to myself, are these teams that bad that they're playing? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're playing NBA teams. I admit they are playing mid-level, for the most part, non-playoff teams. Mm-hmm. But they are... Uh, taking, they are taking handily. care of business handily. Now, I have to admit that the game that they're playing now is much quicker with Embiid not on the court. Embiid does slow them down. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not being critical. What he brings to the game is, is breathtaking. But the way they're blowing up and down the court now, uh, you know, Embiid has trouble uh, keeping up with that pace. And if there was any shortcoming with him, uh, it's... To me, it's been his stamina. Uh, He works very hard. I don't think he really knows about pacing himself. And you will see him fatigue. And uh, this is a top-notch league. They notice a hint of fatigue. Uh, Opponents will take advantage of that. Uh, But that being said, the Sixers are so deep. There is no team that is deeper. And that is because they give so many people playing time. Now, I have some issues with who gets playing time and who doesn't. I'm not happy with all those decisions. But the depth, the, 
the depth of this team is uh, is breathtaking. Yeah. Um, you know, let's. Uh, I'm going to slide right into my next question because I think this uh, this is a great segue into. I wanted to discuss a little bit of Brett Brown. Um, you know, I have some thoughts on the coaching job he's done this year. I think this is really kind of the first season where we've really seen him, you know, truly kind of get a chance to be a coach without any other, you know, concessions happening without, you know, well, they're tanking this year. Well, they have a bad team. Well, no, he's got a good team. This is a team which let's, let's be honest. This is a very real chance. They could win 50 games this season and, uh, you know, makes a lot of noise in the playoffs. And so my next question is, you know, where do you think that Brett Brown has done a nice job of coaching this season? And at the, and on the same token, where do you think maybe he hasn't done a nice job of coaching? Well, you know, you and I actually had a time, had, uh, time to sit and interview and speak with Brett Brown a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. Yeah. And at that time, we asked him, number one, when are you going to be competitive? And secondly, what is the issue going on? This was two years ago. And he told us exactly when they were going to be competitive, which was this year. And he, in a nutshell, said to us, I've got a bunch of kids here. I'm playing a bunch of kids against a bunch of men. That's why we're having so much problem. <laughs> they have to get bigger and they strong, stronger and they have to learn. So that gave us some insight into uh, who this coach is, who the man was. And I think one of the things that you probably picked up the same as I did is how patient Uh, He was, Mm. you know, at least that's what he conveyed to us. Now, moving forward, uh, the criticism that I've had in the last couple of years with the Sixers is uh, we uh, and we spoke about this is their defense uh, getting out on uh, three point shooters, rotating quickly, helping. They were one step behind and the better teams are really taking advantage of that. And they were uh, getting the better of them. And they were turning the ball over, but more importantly, turning the ball over at crucial times so that when they had leads, they lost them. That was the big shortcomings. There's no doubt that this, their defense now has become exemplary. They're probably third or fourth in the league. They are. They are in definitely defense. in the top five right now in defense. And they rotate out. They get on those outside shooters. Uh, and, you know, when you're talking about three-point shooters, Nobody expects you to block their shots. What you want to do is shorten their release time because if you shorten their release time, you get out to them quicker, you decrease their percentage. And they are doing that very well. Um, And their turnovers of late in the last uh, three weeks are starting to decrease. One of the reasons is, God bless them, Joel Embiid, for him to turn the ball over seven or eight times a game (laughs) is not unheard of. So... Since he's been out, their turnovers are going to slow down. And also, there's much more risk of turnover when you're sending the ball in uh, to the big man and when you're allowing him to isolate because he's being doubled. So their turnover uh, level is skewed a little bit by their circumstances. Mm. Uh, but getting back to Brett Brown, what he we've spoken, he, the defense is tightened beautifully. Uh, their, their basic skills... Uh, <laughs> and turnovers are decreasing, and he has conveyed the self-confidence to these players that they need. He stuck through them through thick and thin, and this is what players, especially young players, want to, uh, want to hear. Now, you said to me, what, is it, what issues do I have with him? Uh, I'm not crazy about his playing time and substitution pattern. 
Uh, Amir Johnson is an excellent defensive player. He's not at the same level as the rest of this team. When you go from a Joel Embiid to an Amir Johnson, you are not taking one step back to a backup center. You're taking a step back to a third-line backup center or an experienced D-League player. Mm -hmm. I really think every time in the last month I've seen Roshan Holmes in there, I've been impressed. He blocks shots. He hustles. He's got foot speed. He's got a he's got a excellent short shot. Uh, I think that he is more valuable and more effective than uh, Amir Johnson. He's not more experienced. He's not smarter. I mean, Amir Johnson is a down in the trenches fighting uh, backup center, uh, but he is just not the caliber of what this team needs at this point. And I think that Brett Brown sees this, but I'm not sure why Rashawn Holmes is not getting more time uh, than he is. Because if you think when Embiid comes back, are they going to go back to the Amir Johnson with uh, Holmes getting uh, just some breadcrumbs? Because I think that would be a mistake. Okay. I, uh, I, I love the fact that you articulated that because I mean, to, in in my opinion, I think that is what's going to happen when Embiid comes back. I think bread. I think uh, Holmes is going to continue to get breadcrumbs while Amir Johnson gets the bulk of those backup minutes. It feels like Brown, you know, Brett Brown trusts Amir Johnson a little bit more. I think it maybe might be the experience over um, uh, Rashawn Holmes that might be the only factor. Uh, can I? I would like to throw something your way regarding his rotation because I know. Um, you definitely have some reservations regarding some of the decisions he's made. Uh, but I do want to highlight something that I have noticed with his rotation, which, I, which I've appreciated. And one of those things has been um, the fact that he seems to be carving out a very clear playoff rotation. The last month or so, he's no longer playing with lineups. He doesn't really seem to be playing with minutes. He seems to be carving out much more of a clear routine of who's going to get minutes on this team. You know, uh, we have yet to even mention that we haven't even gotten into Markel Fultz at all, but with Fultz back, it's now clear that he's taking the backup minutes behind Ben Simmons. Um, it's clear that, you know, there's a B team that comes in with uh, um, Ilya Sova and Bellinelli and Redick, and there's a rotation there with TJ McConnell and Ilyas and... Um, uh, uh, oh, uh, Sarich. We haven't really mentioned Sarich either. And I actually like the fact that it feels as though these guys know how many minutes they're going to get. They know what their roles are. And the lesser players down the roster, like Timothée Lawawu Cabarro and uh, um, uh, Jared Bayless, these guys are kind of completely out of the rotation entirely. Now, do you yeah. feel that that's like, I mean, do you like what's going on there? Do you, do you see what I'm talking about, how you can see the rotation going into the playoffs? Oh, I can clearly see it. Uh, Bayless and uh, Cabarro are are going to be uh, bench sitters, and they're not going to get any time. He's ex- still experimenting with Justin Anderson. Justin yeah, Anderson I've noticed that very too. Very talented, and he's been sending him to see what he th- he can do. And for the most part, when he sends him in, he adds a dimension because he's strong, he's quick, and I don't think Brown knows exactly what to do yet. Um, and of course, faults is such a pleasant surprise. Now you can see why he's a, a number one pick. Yeah. The speed that he gets down the court, the 
the spin speed, the uh, passing. I mean, he, he's the real idol. Yeah, he really is. So, and, and the defense, he, I've been impressed defensively from Fultz. Yeah, I, I'm sitting here with my mouth open. I'm saying, you know, if they can get their chemistry and they can play within their games, they can beat, they can beat anybody because Golden State is not as deep as they are. So uh, I agree. And Golden State doesn't have a center that can deal with Embiid. No. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, but Fultz is a very pleasant surprise. And there was a question: Should they shut him down for the season? But I'm looking at even though he hasn't played, uh, his talent level makes him somebody who could help. If you look at his numbers for the minutes he's played. He's at a rookie of the year level performance too, with assists and rebounds and scoring in the in the short time he's played. So uh, it's really a uh, just a list of champagne problems. But getting back to the rotation that you spoke about, uh, Ilya Sova and Bellinelli, when they substitute them, the opponent cannot take a breather. Yeah, they have to alter their defense. And uh, Saric, you have to understand, is he's a, uh, I believe he's shooting higher from three-point area than J.J. Redick now. I, I agree. I, I think, believe he is. I can take a look at the numbers, but I've been yeah, I think thoroughly impressed with Saric this season. And, uh, and all of these guys running around the court are 6'10". Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you've got Ilyasova, you've got Saric, you've got Simmons, Robert Covington, six feet nine, yeah. and he's doing what he's supposed to do because he's one of the could be the best defensive, well, second or third best defensive player in the league, and he's a little streaky, but when he's hitting his threes, he's a factor. So you figure you've got a team on the floor. If you're talking about Simmons, uh, Ilyasova, Saric. Um, Covington and Bede and Covington, you've got six nine, three six tens and a seven two running yeah. like the wind. Yeah, I mean, if I was the other team, I'd run right out of the gym. You know, and and we talk about the the growth of the NBA, where it's going. We're getting to a league of three point shots. We're getting to a league of switching everywhere. We're getting to this three and D swingman player, the guys who can guard everything. This Sixers team is is tailor made for that. You just said it. Their size, their speed, and with the exception of their of their seven foot point guard, everyone can shoot the three ball, including Joel Embiid, and it just. I mean, this team is going to make some noise. It's hard to say that they cannot because I don't think anybody wants to play them right now. Well, I'll tell you, they're playing Cleveland tonight. Yeah, that's that you taking the words right out of my mouth. Go ahead, and, talk and about. And they it. are. I don't know if Sarge is playing, but they're you know Embiid is not playing, and that's a big deal. And that's, I still would not be surprised if they beat Cleveland handily. I agree. I I would not be because surprised the, at all. The depth that they go and you see. It's almost like a, a coach dealing with a ratchet set of wrenches. He's looking at this Cleveland team. He's got Simmons. He's got uh, Fultz. He's got T.J. McConnell. He can look at the circumstances and say, you know, I can send McConnell in there to harass this guard and run him around and press him coming up court and fatigue him. Just let me give him eight or nine minutes. Then I'll send Fultz in there to oversize him. I mean, literally, he's picking that ratchet out of his case to see 
what tool he needs. That's how many people he has. Teams don't teams don't usually have this. The teams I've been watching, I've been watching Brooklyn, and I and I watched um, you know Indiana last week, and they I was they 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 really they had their four or five players. And they were just trying to rest them so they could continue to play, knowing whoever was in for them was someone that was barely going to hold the fort, but certainly wasn't going to help them. Whereas when the Sixers go to their bench, it's really amazing how they can kind of keep their competitiveness. They don't lose too much when they go to their bench. No, they don't, because the other teams have to adjust to a whole new uh, scenario. Now, talking about the playoffs, let's get into this. So, Joel Embiid's injury... We've heard about this. Listen, there was a whole up and down. He had it. He doesn't have a concussion. He does have a concussion. He doesn't need surgery. He does need surgery. Okay, I think you know you you and I loosely texted about this, but um, I, I gave you the answers. I saw it happen. Yeah. The minute I saw it happen, if you remember, I texted you and said, "I don't care what they say. This guy's got a concussion." Because when I saw the replay, he didn't know where he was for yeah. about thirty seconds. Yeah. And. What happens with an orbital, orbital bone fracture is it's the round bone around your eye, and he got a crack with a small displacement, which they fix, and um, after the swelling goes down, so they probably waited four or five days, but he'll have a pair of goggles on and he'll be fine. That's not what's holding him out. It's the concussions. They have to be very careful about that. And concussions don't heal quite the same as if you're cutting your hand, and that being said, it should be no more than two or three weeks until he can start playing. So he will be in the first round of the playoffs. My concern is his stamina was not good to start with because he was because of the schedule that integrated him into the team. And he's a really big guy, and they don't quite have the stamina of, some, of normal people. So when he returns they're not going to be able to give him as many minutes as they want. And every minute he's on the floor, you know, the production of the team changes tremendously. Yeah. Um, for people who haven't seen him, and we've seen him up close and personal, uh, he is just a plus size of every other person in the, player in the league. You know, you, you, he walks up to the Dwight Howards and the Gasols, and, you know, these are the big players. These are the seven-foot wide, big players, and when he walks up to me and say, oh my God, you know, he's just like 20% bigger, he's taller than he's and you say, geez, uh, because, and the other thing is, he's a young kid, but he's not one of these young, evolving, skinny kids who's going to get bigger, you remember, as I say, Magic Johnson or Shaq, when they came into the league, and as they got bigger and monstrous, right? this guy now is thick, he's broad, he's, he, he's, he's a He's a complete package at age 23 or 24, and he's a legitimate seven feet two, and he runs like the wind. I mean, how many times have you been watching these games where every announcer, and I watch mostly the away games, I have an NBA package, so I'm, I'm curious to hear what the away announcers are saying, and everyone uses the term freight train. Yeah. They said, that freight train's coming, nobody's taking that charge. I, I mean, he has really been punishing these other teams. And you're right, because, I mean, I ask you right now how many other people out there can really guard him. And I struggle to see. It's hard to think of anybody who can really, truly guard Embiid. I mean, it's like they saying were, who could guard out, Shaq in his day. Out, yeah, 
they were outsmarting him earlier in the year. Uh, but he's learning. You know, the Gasol's outsmarted him earlier in the year, poking the ball away from him. Uh, and uh, Dwight Howard. Now, we saw Dwight Howard go up against him. <laughs> and, I think had um, one of the best games of his season against Embiid this year. Uh, yes, and the other games, that was not the case. Embiid gets him in foul trouble very quickly. Uh, but Dwight Howard's a monster. So you go around the rest of the league, and um, they essentially give him the Will Chamberlain treatment. They mm-hmm. essentially say, let him have, do what he wants to, and uh, we'll do the best we can and see who else we can control. Right. But then they have Simmons, and they can't control him either. So that's a real problem. Now, looking at the playoffs, so I think you and I both agree that I don't think Simmons or Embiid is going to miss the first round. I think he'll miss a couple of games. And I think you might have him, you know, ceremoniously trot back in, uh, maybe even a la Willis Reed. Uh, but um, I think you might see him come in around game two, game three, game four. Right now, the Sixers, if the season ended today, and I know the standings are still a little fluid, they'd be paired up with the Indiana Pacers, which I think is actually a little bit of a da- more dangerous matchup than most. I think that the Sixers would probably have a little bit of an easier time with a team like um, the Washington Wizards, um, maybe even the Milwaukee. They're not going to play the Bucks, but I'm a li- you know I, I, I feel like people are not giving the Pacers as much credit. Uh, but I have two questions for you, which are, number one, let's say the Sixers are pe- uh, matched up with the Pacers in the first round, and let's say Joel misses two games. Now, my first question is, can they still beat that Pacer team in a first-round series if, they're, if they only have Embiid for some of it? And then my second question is, can this team get to the Eastern Conference Finals? Because if they beat the Pacers in the first round, the next round they would have to probably play the Toronto Raptors, unless the Raptors lose to the eighth seed. I don't think that's going to happen. And then the question would be, could the Sixers beat a team like the Raptors and, and maybe even go up and beat a team like the Cavaliers? I know it's crazy to ask these things, but, you know, stranger things have happened. So, first off, what do you think about Embiid missing some of the first round? Can they make it out of there? And secondly, can they get to the conference finals? Well, I think they can steal a game from the Pacers without Embiid, one game. Okay. And if they have Embiid, uh, in other words, if he misses two games and they have him, they will, they'll be able to beat the Pacers. Okay. Um, the Wizards are scary. See, the difference, the, the Pacers are scary because they're well-coached and they're, they're mature. Uh, the Wizards are very, very explosive. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes what those guys do, and a lot of this depends on John Wall and where he is. You know, uh, are we going to see uh, John Wall? Yeah. Uh, it looks like we are, but, you know, there's a guy who's been sitting for two months, and yeah. his whole game revolves around his tremendous speed and stamina. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they've got young players that, they, they, um, you know, my mouth drops open when I watch them. But we're talking about depth again. Yeah. And neither of these teams have the depth that the Sixers have. Mm-hmm. So the Wizards without him, uh, playing the Wizards without Embiid for a couple of games, games, that could be scary. Right, right. Um, so... I think that they're going to get through this first round because I think Embiid is going to get back. And, uh, and in the playoffs, depth is, depth is really important. 
I mean, if they, if they go to the second round and have to play a Toronto Raptors team, which has really been taking the league by storm this year, do, I mean, do you think that the Sixers could could eliminate a Raptors team, or is that a little bit, you know, that's a little bit too much for them right now? I, um, on paper, I think they should be able to. Yeah. But I've seen them play, and I've seen this team play. And I don't know if there's two better guards anywhere. Uh, and Lowry and DeRozan? Are, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, these are, are two superstars that complement each other. See, the difference between these guys and the Westbrooks uh, uh, are that they literally complement each other. And uh, with them, one and one equals three. Mm-hmm. It isn't that you, So, and... Uh, also, they have big man presence. You know, yeah. you're always in trouble when you got when. The, here's a Rosenberg axiom: you're always in trouble when there's a Lithuanian in the center. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, you know that could uh, that could go way back to the senior Sabonis. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I would say I don't think they have any problem getting by Cleveland. Toronto, I don't know. You know, it's funny you say that because a couple weeks ago when the Sixers were lined up to play the Cavaliers in the first round, when they were in the sixth seed and the Cavaliers were in the three, which there's a very real chance the Sixers could still steal that three seed from the yes, Cavs. that's true. I was sitting there thinking I could. there is absolutely a path to victory for this Sixers team if they actually have to face the Cavaliers. I really do think that... You know, with all the Cavaliers' up and ups and downs this season, I have the utmost respect for LeBron James. I think he, I still think he's the best player on the planet. Um, but this is the most vulnerable they've been, and I really do think the Sixers' depth and the way they've been playing. I mean, I really think this Sixers team can eliminate the Cavaliers. I mean, it might take seven games, but I could see it happening. I really could. I think so. Uh, first of all, they have coaching is in flux, and when you get to the playoffs, coaching actually makes a difference. <laughs> Secondly. Kevin Love is good, but the Sixers are throwing three or four, six, ten guys at him who are the same side. Yeah. They made, and I'll tell you the truth, almost as good. So, in other words, his edge isn't that much that it's going that it can't be neutralized. Right. And with Le- LeBron, you give LeBron what he does. It was the same as you did with Will Chamberlain, the same as you did with Michael Jordan. You, listen, he's not going to score 130 points. Nope. He'll get, he'll get his thirty his 31 points and, and his nine rebounds, et cetera. That's not going to beat a team. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to say, but, but you see, Cleveland is not deep enough that the Sixers can't control everybody else. That's a big Cleveland problem. What happens when you go to the eighth and ninth player on Cleveland? You uh, can't name them is what happens. Yeah, that's correct. And and listen, even if you can name them, they haven't been on the team long enough, I think, to, you know, they'll add something. But I think when you get deep into the playoffs and you start looking at coaching situations where there's going to be game planning and scheming to address players who are not comfortable in the rotation, I do think Cleveland's going to suffer at those moments because they, they just haven't had the time together on the court. There's been too much transition with their roster. Yeah, I don't listen. I I think this is the year that Cleveland is not going to make it to the finals. I know LeBron has this long streak of making it to the finals every year, but I, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I someone is going to get someone's going to win the East this year that will not be Cleveland. That's my that's my thought. Yeah, on it. I'd love it to be the Sixers. It's probably going to be Toronto. Yeah, 
But uh, listen, either way, it's going to be a hell of a playoff run. I'm certainly excited. Now, the difference, I should say, say Sam, mm-hmm. the Sixers are young, and they have two and a half. Well, actually, they have three and a half explosive young players. MB could do things that we can't even picture, which could change the picture of things. Simmons could do the same thing. And then uh, if Fultz gets a little time and is really good, we could get something we weren't expecting. And uh, Saric uh, has been getting every better every month. So yeah. there are some unknowns there that could make a difference and propel them to places where we didn't think they could go. That's not true the other teams. The other teams are all givens. Mm-hmm. You know what they are. They're experienced. You know, if the Celtics were still viable, I'd say they're different because they're young and they're explosive and they got the rookie. But, you know, that's not the case now because of circumstances. Yeah. These other teams are predictable because you know who they are. They are mature, polished, finished products. The Sixers are not mature and they're not finished products. So every day, hopefully, you're getting something that's uh, even better. And that's very scary. Yeah, I think the Eastern Conference should be put on notice because Sixers are currently on a 12-game winning streak. I'm going to repeat it again. Longest since the 89-90 season. And tonight, you said it, they're playing the Cleveland Cavaliers in Philadelphia. Sixers had a night off last night. The Cavaliers, this is the second night of a back-to-back. They actually pulled out a win last night at home against the Washington Wizards. However, they were down by 17 and had to drag themselves all the way back for a victory. Listen, I think this is a great... This is a great test for the Sixers to see if they can actually beat a LeBron James-led Cleveland Cavaliers team a little drained on the second night of a back-to-back, but if they can do it without Joel Embiid, keep this winning streak going, I mean, they might be the hottest team going into the playoffs. So, uh, right. I, if they can do it without Embiid, then they definitely can beat Cavaliers in a series with Embiid. Yo, you heard it here first, folks. If they can do it without Embiid tonight, they can do. They can beat them in the playoffs with Embiid. I'm, I'm just. I feel like that should be the headline of this show. <laughs> well, listen, um, yeah. Dad, that's all I got. I really just wanted to talk some Sixers with you because, like I said, very exciting time, very good time to be a Sixer fan. And uh, I've I've been consuming an awful lot of Sixers over the last couple of weeks, and I figured you were too, and I wanted to get some of your thoughts. Yeah, I think we should send this podcast over to Sixers. Uh, management and let them listen to it so that they can take advantage of our insight. I would. I, I think we should absolutely do that because I think we've got some important things to say. And uh, listen, hopefully everybody keeps on this path because uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of, pot of positive energy flowing. And considering the last few years of the Sixers franchise, you know, we should all just really be blessing this moment. I'll, I'll, I'll leave this with um, with something the Sixers uh, I think will. Will an axiom that will do well for them, uh, which my old uh, coach, Raleigh Massimino, may he rest in peace, used to say all the time. He said, unless you guys play defense, you can get out of my gym. <laughs> <laughs> which, of course, he would often do, throw us out in the snow. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, that, I think, is the secret because uh, that's what really helps the Sixers. And, of course, it... it Uh, defense always drives offense. Hey, you heard it here, folks. My father, Dr. Mark Rosenberg, echoing the words of the great Villanova coach, Raleigh Massimino. You don't play defense, you can get the hell out of my gym. 
Oh, yeah. Dad, thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, here, I'm going to, I'm going to sign us off. Um, uh, thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. And as always, you can always uh, email me with any questions, comments, or uh, if you just wanted to say hi, email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com. Uh, enjoy the Sixers-Cavs game tonight. I'm sure me and Dr. Mark will be doing that, and uh, we encourage you guys to take advantage of it because you might see some greatness tonight when the Sixers beat the Cavaliers without Joel Embiid. I'm just throwing that out there. Would you agree, Dad, seeing greatness if they beat him without Embiid? Yeah, by definition, that's what greatness is. (laughs) All right, everyone, thanks a lot for listening, and uh, Dr. Mark, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Always a pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you later. Take it easy. Bye-bye.